First thing I noticed when I walked into the classroom every day was the colors. On top of their navy blue school uniforms, my girls sported cherry red lips, pink tights, silver fingernails. Blue streaks of hair were bursting out of their thick black ponytails and everything that could be pierced, somebody had pierced. They did everything they could to stand out, to be different. And I was kind of in awe of this because although I was 26 and a teacher, I was still doing my best to blend in. My own kind of awkward teen years had started October of seventh grade over at Golden View Middle School. And they would stick with me until I turned 31. And <laughs> here I was in Santiago, Chile, with about five years of awkward still in front of me. This, I think, was a shock to my host family because when they heard they were getting an American, I think they expected a glamorous blonde fresh off a California beach. And instead they got me with my suitcase of dark-colored, ill-fitting clothing, uh, broken glasses I'd fixed with scotch tape, and I had a really strong uh, refusal to wear clothes that showed skin above the knee or above the elbow. Beauty was a really hot topic in our house, not least because my younger host sister, Daniela, was very pretty. She was 13. And people told her all the time, family, friends, neighbors, teachers, told her how beautiful she was and how easy and happy her life would be because of this. Daniela was also one of my students, and outside of class, my students and I grew really close. I helped them write their proposals to Justin Bieber. <laughs> I hugged them when they were sad, and I told them when I thought their boyfriends were too old or too pushy. And Daniela was, was also one of my students. Um, and to me, these girls were exceptional, just the way they were. I uh, discovered Daniela in the afternoon uh, in a bathroom. There was a bag of ice sitting in the sink, and she was pushing a sewing needle through the left side of her nose. She uh, got a little metal stud through right after, and she was so proud of herself, I couldn't ha help but you know, hug her and congratulate her, um, even knowing she was in for a tough time with her family. But when her uncle saw her later that night, he just sighed, and he said, well, you've ruined your face. Now you have to learn how to study. <laughs> I realized I uh, was kind of the opposite of Daniela in a way. I had loved to study, but I had never felt like my face was anything so special. And standing there in the bathroom with her, I remembered the summer after high school, when a good friend and I had been interested in the same guy who she ended up dating. And she had asked him once why he chose to go out with her instead of with me, and he had replied, uh, well, I could choose the one who's nice to look at, or I could choose the one who's nice to talk to, and I choose the one who's nice to look at. Now it's a little funny, but as an 18-year-old, <laughs> I did not laugh. Um, I figured... You know, maybe everyone kind of falls into one of these two categories, so I should just play to my strengths and not think about the other part. And this worked really well, actually, for some years. I studied and worked and traveled, and my brain was so busy processing all of those things it was taking in that I didn't really have to think about myself or the way I expressed myself, presented myself. But in Santiago, I was overwhelmed by how confidently and creatively people expressed themselves, the way they dressed, and by how little they seemed to care what anyone else thought about it. 
I saw this in my students, in my girls, and I also saw it in my colleagues I worked with. You could pick them out of a lineup by their favorite style decades that they stuck to religiously. Uh, and these ladies, they loved to tease me. They called me La Monjita, the little nun. <laughs> and uh, one of them would always say, show some arm. <laughs> They, uh, they told me to try brighter colors or to wear clothes that fit a little tighter, yeah. And I always laughed this off. I said, you know, I tried to explain, oh, I'm just not that comfortable um, projecting this image of someone a little bit flashy or a little bit spicy. And uh, one of them said to me after school one day, Amandita, spicy, it's not about other people. It's not about an image. Spicy should be for you. Standing there with Daniela, I thought this lesson was right in front of me. She put a hole in her face, a face that was the pride of the neighborhood, <laughs> just because it felt more her. So this got me thinking, what would be more me? It was not blue hair, uh, but I had always for a long time wanted to get my ears pierced. So I decided there in the bathroom with Daniela that I would get my ears pierced. <laughs> In Chile, you don't go to a mall and get it done like we do here. You call up a clinic and you make an appointment with the nurse or the doctor. Or you ask your 14-year-old students <laughs> where to go. Aha, they said, go see the Peruvian guy in the tent behind the temple. He pierces anything and it's super cheap. I asked the girls, okay, what's this guy's name? And two of them answered at the same time, Miguel, Ernesto. <laughs> Just tell him we sent you, they said. Okay. They drew me a map, and I headed out on the bus the next day after school. I found the tent, I got in line, and when it was my turn, Miguel, Ernesto gestured for me to sit down in a plastic-covered chair. The tent was hot, the chair was sweaty. I was the last customer. He uh, got his tools ready, and then he drew black dots on my ears with Sharpies. And right at the last minute, he came over, and he grabbed my ears and started squeezing. And he said, oh, I'm sorry. I don't think it's going to work. Your earlobes are too thick. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. Um, <laughs> and I felt, <laughs> I remember feeling embarrassed because I thought, what did I have for lunch? <laughs> But I was really resolute, and this you know, seemed like a really big moment, so I asked him, and I said, you know, my girls told me you can do anything, and this is really important. Could you please just give it a try? A try, he did. Uh, it took a few jabs before he got the needle through the first lobe, and, and then the second one. Um, I cried, but that's just because I'm a crier. And uh, when it was done, I could feel, you know, the holes were really uneven, and... <laughs> I didn't care. It didn't matter. Um, this felt like a really big first step. It was a first step toward owning the way I looked rather than trying not to think about it, toward extending the love and acceptance I felt from my students to myself, and toward understanding that you don't have to pick a category. Nobody does. I remember I reached up and felt my ears newly pierced, and I think I felt a little spicy. <laughs> All right.
Miguel Ernesto, he put little wooden posts in the holes and he told me the best way to care for them was to not touch them at all for three weeks, which is awful advice. <laughs> Don't ever do that. I turned to leave and he smiled and said, hey, tell the girls hello and you can come back when you're ready to do your nose. <laughs>